Let's continue to worship the Lord in prayer right now. Father, we come to you in prayer in the name of Jesus, thanking you, Lord, for the worship that we've experienced this morning. And God, as we've expressed ourselves to you, I pray that you would express yourself to us, not only during this time, but also in the teaching of your word. I pray that as we open up your word, that you would speak to us in such a way that's individual as well as corporately. And then, Lord, when the invitation's given, we're just going to say, God, what do you want me to do? What, do you want, what would you have me to do? And then we do it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. And I want you to take your Bibles this morning, and I want to turn to Psalm 134, continuing our series of messages in the Psalms. But uh, I've kind of skipped over a little bit because this is uh, Ministry Fair Sunday. Now, I know what you're thinking as you're coming before... Uh, the church this morning, and maybe you came into the atrium first, and you saw these ministry booths, and said, oh, no, you know, they're going to ask me to serve today, just something else I'm being asked to do. And, you know, you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, look, you know, I'm, I'm not a pastor. You know, everybody's got their calling in life. I'm not asking the pastor or the staff to come and help me with my engineering firm. You know, I'm not asking them to help me teach school, and I'm not asking them to help me sell real estate, and so why should they ask me to help serve? Well, let me um, just capsulize things just a little bit with a little story that um, I heard recently. In fact, it happened to me recently where a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, uh, kind of a little bit younger, and so he's kind of going through some transition times of his life, says this statement, and this is his favorite statement. Life is just too short. Life's just too short. And so what do you do? Well, how do you respond to that? <clears throat> do you buy a lot of toys? Do you have this bucket list? that you're going down and say, well, I got to buy this and, <clears throat> excuse me, I need to go here and I need to, ha oh man, my European trip. And then there's my, um, uh, you know, North Carolina trip or Canadian trip. And I've got to do all these kind of things because pretty soon life's going to be over and I don't want to be caught without, re with a lot of regrets. Well, life is just too short. The question is, how are we going to invest that? How are we going to invest the rest of our life? Because if we look at why serve the Lord, don't think about salvation as being on the installment plan this morning. You know, well, grace, it's all about grace, it's all about mercy, it's all free. But once you get saved, all of a sudden, you know, you're a servant of God. Because I want to share with you that without service, you really can't grow like God wants you to grow. Service is necessary, just like exercises to the body. And so service is not only for the kingdom of God, but is also to fulfill your life as well. You remember our vision statement, building lives that matter by leading people into a growing relationship with Christ. And then you remember our baseball diamond where we're going around the bases and we're saying, well, we're reaching people first and we're inviting them to Christ, inviting them to a church. And then we're teaching them in small groups and now service and now, and of course, sending them out into our neighborhoods our community, as well as the world. And so as we look at this, Psalm 134 really does give us some insights to service that maybe you've never thought of before. And as we open up this Psalm, I want to look at three things, who we are, what we do, and why we do it. Three simple things, right? Who we are, what we do, why we do it. Number one, who we are. Psalm 134 and verse one, it says, behold, bless the Lord, all servants, this word bless has to do with multiple blessings, multiple blessings 
So behold, I want to give multiple glory and multiple blessings to the Lord, all the servants of the Lord. This word servant has to do with really, um, a, this is Hebrew, but it's, it's Greek equivalent in the New Testament would be the word doulos, which means slave. And so the, you get the idea that you have a new master here and the master is the Lord in this case who serve, he's a servant of the Lord who serve by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands into the sanctuary. Well, we have these servants and they're serving in the house of the Lord. Who are these servants? Well, we understand that this is tabernacle and temple language. And what they're talking about are the priests. You see, the difference in the Old Testament and New Testament is this. In the Old Testament, what you had, whether it's a tabernacle or a temple, you had priests serving in the worship services. And really the congregation is just kind of passive at this point. They're just, they're just sort of sitting back and they're not doing a whole lot. And so you have the priests that are serving. They're serving uh, the people there. And they're, you know, if you remember the temple and how it was arranged, the outer court, Gentiles could go there. And then the inner court, only the Jews could go there. Then the holy place, just the priests. Uh, the tribe of Levi, Levi was set aside in the Old Testament. They wouldn't have anything, any land, everything. They'd just take the offerings of people and live off that. And they would be the priests watching after the temple. And so there you have the picture of the Old Testament. You have priests, you have a building, and as long as God had a house or a building, you had just the priests ministering. Now, of course, then you had this veil in the temple, and you, you, had this, uh, you had the veil, and behind it was the holy place. And that is when only the high priest would go behind the veil once a year to sacrifice for the sins of the people. And so you can imagine how that is with a priest. Just, just imagine just a few moments. There you are in the, outer, the inner court. You're a Jewish person. But you long for the presence of God and the glory of God in your life. Because as the priests are going in, you can imagine how close they are now to the presence of God. Because in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant behind the veil was really represented the presence of God. God was there. You say, no, just represent. No, God was there. And we know that because you couldn't even touch the ark because if you did, because of the sinfulness before the cross happened, you would die. That's the reason they tied a rope around the, the high priest's waist. And so if he died, if he touched the ark by accident and he died, they could drag him out. They wouldn't have to go behind the veil. So it was an awesome thing. But you can imagine the high priest going in and really being in the very presence of God. Very few people would ever experience that. Uh, Tim just talked to you about Moses and how he just looked upon the, as the Bible says, the hind parts of God, the behind, you know, behind the scenes of God. He couldn't look on him face to face, but you can imagine what the priest was going through in that day. But there's something different here in the New Testament. Now I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. It's in the, kind of near the end of the New Testament. And uh, in fact, let's turn to chapter 2 rather, verse 4. And it's on, oh, by the way, page 300 in my Bible. I don't know about yours, but uh, if that'll help out any. But it's near the end of the Old Testament, the book of First Peter, chapter 2. I'm going to have most of these um, verses on the screen here in just a few moments. But there was a congregation that was passed in the Old Testament, only the priest. Why? Well, God had a house. He had a place. He had a building where priests would serve. But in the New Testament, something has changed. The Bible says when Jesus Christ died on the cross... The Bible says that in Matthew 27, the very fingers of God tore that veil in half. 
that was a symbol that now we have access to God. We don't have to wait the once a year. We don't have to go through a, a high priest. And so here's what the Bible teaches in the book of 1 Peter. And coming to him as a living stone, keeping in mind, please keep in mind, Peter, Peter is a Jewish person. He says, coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Now, the living stone, singular, he's talking here is about Christ. Christ is that living stone. He's called the cornerstone in the Bible. He's the foundation to all of life. The living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also are living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Why? Well, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, get the, get the picture here of the change and the transition that has happened between the Old Testament and the New Testament because this is exciting stuff. In the Old Testament, God had a building and he lived there. That's where God was. That's the presence of God. The Holy Spirit of God came down on a few people occasionally in the Old Testament, but only occasionally like David and Moses and a few others, a few kings, a few prophets, and that was it. But you had a place to worship. And then you had a priest and a team of priests to lead you, a high priest and a team of priests, and they did all the ministering for you. And you just sat back and you just soaked it all in or whatever, or, or just walked away, made a few sacrifices, walked away until the same time next year. Now we look at this and we understand the New Testament is something different. The Bible says that veil was torn in half. So what happened? What caused us to be like Christ in the fact that we're living stones? And what is that, what is that an imagery of? It's an imagery, of course, of being a stone as part of a building. And so no longer do we have a building that God lives in. We have bodies that Christ lives in. And that happens when the Holy Spirit of God came down on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, if you remember that story. Jesus had a, uh, died on the cross. He, he, uh, ascend, rather, he resurrected from the grave. He ascended up into heaven. And then when he ascended up into heaven, 40 days later, he sent the Holy Spirit down on this earth and he inhabits the bodies of believers the very moment that you and I receive Jesus Christ into our heart. And so there's something different here. Now, no longer is there a building. I'm the building. You're the building. Notice it's plural. We're all living stones fitted together for the building, but not only that, but it says here that we are ho a holy priesthood to offer up the spiritual sacrifice to serve the Lord by serving other people. We are the priests now. It goes on to say in verse nine, if I can skip over to that real quickly, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possessions that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. And so here we find that we no longer go to a priest. We are the priests. All of us who name the name of Christ are priests. Now say that with me. I'm a priest. Hmm. Let's start off. I'm a living stone. Can you do that? I'm a living stone. All right. Now this is going to be hard for you because in the past you've th thought, oh, I'm not a priest. I've got a priest. In my faith, I've got a priest. Now, I'll, all I'm saying is I'm not asking you to blaspheme God. I'm just going by the scripture. And I'm coming to a point. Say, I'm a priest. I'm a priest. Okay, not as good as living stone, but hey, you're catching on. 
You're getting there, all right? So you're, you're a priest, and the fact that you don't need anyone else to represent you, you have access to God. Now, here's what 2 Peter 1.3 says. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us in his own glory and excellence. He's saying, look, because the spirit of God lives within us, because we're that living stone fitted in to a greater stone, the church, because we're part of that, the Bible says we share now in the glory and presence of God. Before, it's true that you could just sit back and do nothing in the Old Testament. The priests, the Levites did it all for you. But they enjoyed the glory and the presence of God at least a few times a year. And the rest of the congregation did not necessarily enjoy that at all. Now, because we're priests, we go behind the veil. We're in the presence of God because of the spirit of God living within us. And not only are we called as priests and servants of God, but we also enjoy his glory and share in his glory and share in his presence because that veil in the temple was torn because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, that's the difference between the Old and the New Testament. You and I were called out. Notice it says that we are this holy priesthood unto the Lord. We're set aside for him. We've become the, the living stones, as it were, in the Bible. Now, this gives us a couple of three, in fact, three implications real quickly. Number one, if I'm sharing in the glory and the presence of God, if the spirit of God lives within me, then it means that whatever is wrong with me, everything that's wrong with me can be fixed. Now, I know that's off the subject, but that is an implication here. Anything that's wrong with you, do you realize that you say, well, I'm trying to pray in the God's will. Listen, it's always God's will for you to give up sin. It's always God, God's will for you to give up an addiction. It's always God's will for you to give up a false God in your life. It's always God's will for you to fix some blind spot in your life. It's always God's will that you fix an attitude in your life. You can fix anything. God can do anything in your life as you share in the glory and the presence of God. Secondly, we all fit together. We're part of a building. We're part of a temple together. Tim Keller has said the true potential of a Christian cannot be realized outside of community of believers. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was um, a great preacher in England for many, many years, he was a very unusual preacher, very unusual. And in fact, when he preached through a book, he pretty much did every, I mean, every verse pretty much was a sermon. And you can imagine his volume, eight volumes of the book of Romans. Man, he wrote more on the book of Romans than Paul did, you know? I mean, it, it was an incredible uh, set of, um, uh, of commentaries and sermons on the book of Romans. But he said, for, for many, many years, he would say, never tape my sermons. Now, in latter years, he allowed, would allow people to do that for other reasons. But he said, look, when you take the tape and you give it to someone, or you just say, I'm not going to church, I'm gonna to listen to a tape. He says, you miss the glory and the presence of God that comes with people coming together as the body of Christ, as the building of God, all fitted together. You miss that. Now, I know we're on television. I know that we're on internet, we're on Facebook, we're all that kind of stuff, and I, I praise God for all that. But does, doesn't that seem to ring true? There's so many people that, that lay out of church today because they just say, oh, I can just, I can just listen to it on, on Facebook. I can listen to it on the, on the radio or television or wherever uh, that pastor does. But 
Martin Lloyd-Jones has said, Tim Keller would say the same thing. Unless you're a part, fitted together, the body of Christ, you cannot grow like God wants you to grow. I've shared this story before in times past, but C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer um, who wrote uh, many things, including the Chronicles of Narnia, used to meet with a couple of guys over in uh, Oxford, and uh, they'd meet for lunch or whatever, and, and uh, it was Robert and Charles, and all three of them would share in kind of accountability group, you know, a little church growth, you know, growth, men's growth group. And um, they would just exchange ideas and talk about God and talk about their lives. But Robert passed away. And he, he was trying to look at this, C.S. Lewis was trying to look on the silver lining of things around, you know, just what, what, is, what is the positive I can get out of this? He thought to himself, you know, I, I really like Charles. Man, he's a smart guy. Now that Robert's gone, I can get more of a relationship out of Charles as my friend. And what he found out that is that he didn't get as good. Was it nearly as good a friendship with Charles because Robert was not there? Because Robert complimented Charles in such a way that he could pull things out of Charles and Charles out of Robert that it caused C.S. Lewis to grow in the faith. You see, you and I cannot grow in that kind of, op- op- uh, of, uh, of times that we're, we're separated from the Lord and from other people. So here we find the glory of God is in you. Therefore, everything wrong with you can be fixed. We're fitted together. But thirdly, hey, we're called to serve. What did the high priest do? Well, let's look secondly. What we do. In verse uh, 1, again of um, Psalm 134, it says, who serve the Lord by night. Hey, listen, this is sort of like serving in the dark. You know, you're serving when nobody else notices. That's what they were doing. And you're lifting up your hands and blessing. You're a blessing to the Lord as you bless the Lord in your life. Why do we serve? I mean, what, what do we do? Priests in the Old Testament would serve the Lord. That was their calling. They were made to serve. That's what we are. We're made to serve. Ephesians 2, 10, Paul said this. The apostle Paul said, we are his workmanship. We're like a poem. We're like a painting. We're like a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so you would walk in them. We were created. We were born again by the Spirit of God, became a Christian, not because of our good works, but we were saved to have good works rather than bad works. Good works for the Lord. So we find that we were made to serve. And one of the proofs of this is that the Holy Spirit and his power lives within us. So we're empowered to serve. You know, one of the curious things as I read through the Bible, um, I've read through the New Testament, especially many, many times. But when I was a younger Christian, one of the things that really bothered me was what Jesus said about John the Baptist. And for a long time, I just couldn't figure that one out. He said this about John the Baptist. Now, you remember John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus, six, year, six months older than Jesus. And he was what the Bible says, the forerunner of Jesus. In other words, he prepared people for Jesus coming by telling the Jews they need to repent of their sins and get ready for the Messiah, the Christ. And so... He said this about John when John was in prison. Um, he was in prison because of, you know, he was preaching the gospel and he wasn't very nice to Herod's wife. And so, um, you know, and call, kind of called Herod out. And so he was arrested. Jesus said this about John the Baptist. He says, no one greater born of one has ever been uh, greater that has been born of woman. What he was saying is nobody on earth who's ever been born is greater than John the Baptist. But he said... Of all the people of all the people of the kingdom of God, John 
is the least in the kingdom of heaven. Wow, it doesn't sound to be very right to me if you're talking, because I've always thought maybe he's talking about rewards and things. He says, John's the greatest here on earth, but he is the least in the kingdom of heaven. What was he saying? As great as John the Baptist was, he could never know what you and I know. He could never experience what we experienced here on this earth, and that is the very presence of the Holy Spirit of God in our life on a daily basis. And that's why we're empowered. That's why we, we have this desire. There's something incomplete about us when we're not serving the Lord. But with that, God has not only empowered us, he's gifted us. Did you know everybody here that has received Christ has a spiritual gift? There are 19 different spiritual gifts mentioned in the Bible. You have one of them. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says, every single one of us has at least one spiritual gift. And it's, it's probably more than that. Now, it could be teaching. It could be preaching. It could be the gift of faith. It could be the gift of wisdom, discernment, mercy, all kinds of service, all kinds of gifts listed in three or four different, three different passages, actually, of the scripture. But here's the thing. So I don't know what my spiritual gift is. Well, the problem is sometimes talents and gifts kind of collide and get kind of mixed up. Everybody is born with a talent when they're born the first time. You just don't know what it is. It kind of has to develop as you grow. And then everyone who is born for the second time, born again, born from above, born of God, has received Christ, gets what the Bible calls spiritual gifts. Now, you and I use our talents probably in the church. Hope you do. Uh, you use them at your job, your career, your home. You can also use your spiritual gifts in the home and in your job. And you do. But the Bible says they're specifically given so we can serve one another and serve the world. So if you're not doing it, serving the Lord with your spiritual gifts, the Bible says you can lose them. Now, you may be using them, selling the real estate, being an engineer, being a CEO, being a boss somewhere, or in your family, or whatever you're doing. You can also use them there, but the Bible says they're used for the body of Christ. In fact, Ephesians 4 says this, he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, talking about different spiritual gifts, for the equipping of the saints. That is, you and I could be equipped, the saints for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ. We see two reasons here in the Bible why we have these spiritual gifts, why we are called to serve. One of them is to serve the body of Christ. Now, why is that? You know, people object to that. Well, the church is spending all the money on themselves. Or the church is just serving themselves. We've got all these ministry booths out here. And, you know, we don't have a lot, you know, as far as the community is concerned. We serve the community. We, we just had um, a, situ a, a community day just a couple of weeks ago. We went out to three or four different schools and uh, worked on the schools for them for free. We, we, we spent the money to do that. So we have community projects. But why the church? Why, why develop here? Well, what is the church? Church can be a hospital to some. You know, something's wrong, we, we need to help them. But the church can also be like a school. We're here to develop as believers. And so we invest in the lives of those around us, why? So they can grow in Christ, so then they can go out in the community as mature Christians 
to do the work of the, the Holy Spirit, uh, the Spirit of God, and also go out into other states, and then go out even into the world, some of them, to do the work of the ministry because we grow them up here. The last thing we, I think we want to do is send out just, you know, baby Christians that really don't know the Bible, that don't have, any, don't have spiritual maturity in their life, to go out in the rest of the world and evangelize the world with something they don't even know themselves. We are here to develop disciples of Christ, and then as we develop them, part of that is sending them out to serve out here, but also in here. We serve both places. Then it says, we're also here for to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. Verse 9 of First uh, Peter chapter 2. So it's saying here, yes, we are, first of all, one of the purposes listed in, in verse 4, verses 4 and 5, we're to serve one another so you and I can mature in the Lord. And then the result of that and the goal of that is for all of us to go out into the world and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's what God has called us to do. We are doing all this, plus, again, we are fitted to serve. So you're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. And I just feel, not only do I feel it, staff feels it, there's just a new breath of God blowing in this place. It's not just because of the baptisms a few weeks ago or a great Easter time that we had. It's just a sense that God is doing something in the lives of different people. And we're seeing that coming forward over and over and over again. And so we're fitted together. And let me just sum this up by saying this. Every member is a minister. Every believer has a gift. Every person is important and we need one another. Now let me give you a little illustration that I learned from a, um, a guy that came in kind of teach our staff about 10 years ago. And uh, last name's Rising. I can't remember his first name right off the bat, but he gave this illustration about baseball. And he said, you know, going to church is sort of like a sporting event, if you can compare it to that. There's people that don't go to the games at all. There's people that do go, and there's some people that are very involved. He says, suppose you're at work one day, and you're kind of the new kid on the block. And one of the guys that you kind of been talking to and uh, eating lunch with says, hey, I got... The company just gave me two tickets to the baseball game, uh, the Rays game. Um, you want to go? And you think, hmm, I don't like baseball. I don't even understand the game. But, you know, I, I do want to get to know some people. So, yeah, yeah, sure. Hey, I'd be glad to go. It'd be great. Hey, wonderful. And so you go. And you're sitting in the upper deck. And you're just sort of looking at everybody. And you spend half the game looking at everybody else because you don't really understand what's going on. And you're looking at people eating hot dogs, playing with their kids, trying to corral their kids, you know, whatever. But some of them watching the game, all of a sudden you hear this crack of the bat. Wooden bat, you know, a crack of the bat. And you look up and everybody's jumping up. And you're seeing this ball fly over the fence and everybody's jumping up and down and yelling and screaming because uh, Evan Longoria just hit a three-run homer to win the game. And man, all of a sudden you're kind of hooked in a little bit. So the next time your friend says, hey, I got two more tickets to the game. You want to go? You say, yeah, you know, I really would. I, I would like to go. So you go to the game. And instead of noticing everything people are doing, you're sort of trying to be a student of the game and learning the game a little bit because now you've sort of got an interest. And so pretty soon, after doing this a few times, you think, you know, I'm just going to buy my own ticket. Take a couple other friends. You take this friend, this guy. They all buy their own ticket now. 
And they're going, be going to the game maybe about once a week. And then, as they're buying these tickets, they're sitting now in the front rows of the upper deck. And they're kind of looking down at these people with these foam fingers, you know? And their hats on, and they've got all the shirts and all that. And you say, man, they look like they're having, look, they're right behind the dugout. They look like they're having a great time. And so you think to yourself, you know, I really enjoy these games. I could really save a lot of money if I just bought season tickets. And so you buy season tickets right behind the dugout. Now you're a real fan. Now you're cheering the team on. They can hear you when you say, go Evan or go this guy or whatever. And, you know, they can hear you that you can almost slap them on the back when they come back to the dugout. Man, you're part of the game. You've got the foam finger now. You're wearing the hat. As a matter of fact, your cubicle at work, when you go in there, you've got all kinds of devil raised stuff. Not, well, I don't think they call them. I'm glad they, they don't call them devils anymore, do they? I'm glad they dropped the devil thing. But anyway, that's just kind of a separate thing. Anyway, they got the, the cubicle. Well, I'm a pastor. I should be glad about that, don't you think? Um, they got the cubicle, and you've got all kinds of uh, stuff that you bought at the ball game. Man, you're a real fan. You're just like in church, you know, you... You were on the outside, somebody invited you, and you thought, huh, something sort of ring a bell with me, that song or that, that verse or whatever in that Bible. You know, just sort of, I think I'm a little bit interested. And so you start coming back, and pretty soon you join. As a matter of fact, you not only join, but you get so excited, you're kind of like on the front rows, you know, cheering the choir or the band on and cheering the, the pastor on and patting him on the back and say, way to go, and, and, and the other, and you're, you're kind of, there, you know, telling Charlie what a great job he did last Sunday when the pastor was absent. He did do a good job, and I told him he needs to cut that out. But anyway, we, uh, no, he did. And, uh, and you're a fan. But then somebody comes to your cubicle one day and kind of looks around and says, I've been noticing you're a big baseball fan. He said, yeah, I am, man. I love the game. Love it. Love the game. So we've got a softball team, and we just had a guy transfer out. We need a right fielder. Would you like to play? You think, ooh, I don't know, play. I may not do good. I may not be able to hit the ball. You say, it's just soft, it's softball, right? I mean, slow, slow pitch. Yeah, slow pitch. We just have a good time. You got to come and play. So you're ner real nervous about it. But then you go and you play right field. And you get better. And pretty soon you're playing, I don't know, shortstop or something. You're a key cog on the team, but you just sort of started slow, worked your way in. Now you're in the game. You're just not a spectator in the game. You are in the game, and it's fun. And you're putting all, a lot of yourself into it. In fact, I've known guys to do this, true experience. I, know, I knew a guy that got so involved in his whole life revolved around baseball and softball. I'm not advocating that. But I'm saying that once you get into the game of serving the Lord, and, and it's not one of those, lazy, one of those things that you're kind of, kind of interested, but kind of not. You know, one of the things that um, we find in churches is that after a while, some people get bored with their ministry. If I can just take Sunday school teacher, for example. You know, there you are, a Sunday school teacher, and you're coming, and, eh, you know, no, nobody new has come to your class in a while because you haven't invited anybody, and, you know, your class hadn't invited you. Class is kind of dwindling down. You know, somebody's going to this class and, and, or whatever. And Boy, it's just not as interesting as it used to be. And you're coming to church, and you're barely, you're barely, you're a little late maybe. And you're not preparing your lesson the way you used to prepare it. What's going to happen? Boredom. 
I'm just going to get bored with it. I don't care what you do. I've known pastors like that. You know, why, why do pastors quit every three or four or five years and go somewhere else? Or only 4%, 4% of the people called into the ministry and called to pastor ministry, it starts off with pastors, retires pastors, 4%. There's no other, there, there's nothing else like that. But you may be in your job and you think, yeah, I'm, I'm really kind of bored even on my job. What's happening? You're not engaged. As a teacher, you're not engaged. And pretty soon you're going to quit because it's just too boring. On the other hand, if you were involved, say, I'm going to get up a, a really quality lesson. I'm really going to go for this thing. I'm going to get up a quality. I'm going to do some things with my class during the week. I'm going to have personal interest in the people in my class and see what's going on in their lives. I'm going to start maybe even some small groups outside of my class. Then all of a sudden you're interested. Why? Because the, Jesus said, Jesus taught, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be also. And so we need people that are all in. Whatever the job may be, it, it may be small in your eyes. It may be just the, the right fielder's position instead of shortstop or pitcher. But you're going to be willing to get involved and you're willing to do something to get into the game. So why do we do it? That'll be real quick. It's a blessing to God. It's a blessing to God. It says in Psalm 134, you're blessing multiple blessings to the Lord because the way you serve God, you don't, you don't serve God as, okay, God, what do you want me to do? You know, you want me to, uh, you know, uh, work, come to heaven right now and worship you and, you know, just uh, give you my, my seat, my pew. You don't, you don't do that. What you do, you serve God by serving others. Secondly, you are blessed. You're growing in Christ, just like it takes food and exercise to grow in your body and stay healthy. It takes the meat of the word of God, and it takes service, exercise, ministry in order to grow in Christ. You're going to sense the presence of God in your life, and yes, there will be rewards in heaven. It tells us in Hebrews eleven six that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He's going to reward. In this life, in the life to come, it's going to be rewards. So life is short, folks. It's just, it's just too short. So how are you going to spend it? Are, are you going to get on your deathbed at the end of the day and say, wow, man, I didn't leave anything undone. I, I went here. I went there. I took a vacation over here. I mountain climbed. I parasailed. I bought this toy and this toy and this toy. And bless God, I didn't leave any of, any of the money behind to my relatives, you know. And you're on your deathbed. And suddenly, there's a spiritual awakening that happens in your life. What is God going to say about all that? You see, I would agree with my friend. Life is just too short to waste. And that's why I want to lead as many people to Jesus Christ before I die as possible and to help them grow in Christ so they can reach others as well. What about you? Are you going to get to the end of your life and just say, wow, you know, I did all this, and I spent all this, and I bought all this, and I had all these toys, and now I've got a bunch of rusted out toys, and all I have is my memories, have nothing to look forward to, nothing to look back on to say I really had an impact for God. I've wasted it. I've wasted my life. And dear friends, it does not have to be that way. And you may be saying, well, yeah, but I have so little to offer right now. 
so little to offer. Most of you, that's just not the case. There is a world of talent sitting before me today. Unbelievable. I've talked to a lot of you. Unbelievable amount of talent here. But we'll just say you just don't have, you don't have much knowledge of the scriptures. You don't have much. Remember the story where Jesus looked around and said, you know, wow, you say everybody's hungry, Peter? How much food do you have? He said, all we have is six loaves and half a dozen fish. And Man, look at the thousands of people. We'll never feed them all. He says, bring me what you have. And he broke them. And he kept breaking them. And he multiplied it. You bring what you have to the table. Just get into the game. And God is going to multiply it. With his bat and eyes closed. This morning, as we meet before the Lord, what about you? Maybe you're saying today, well, Pastor, my problem is I understand what you're saying and I appreciate the fact that I've heard this not salvation on the installment plan. You know, we're saved to serve and I'm going to enjoy it. And eventually I really will when I find my niche and I find what I'm supposed to do and I put my heart into it. I never knew that before. I thought maybe God was trying to just take something from me. Well, he's not. He's given you everything. In fact, Jesus set the tone for us when he said to us, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he died on the cross for you. He died on the cross. That's where it all began. Would you like to receive him into your heart as Savior and Lord? Would you like to have a new master in your life? Would you like to start going the right direction? Would you like to go to heaven? If so, I want you to pray this prayer with me. You can pray it silently as I pray aloud. Pray with me now. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me enough to ransom yourself on the cross. Die there for me so I could have life. I repent. I turn from my sins, especially the one of just simply being the God of my own life putting other things ahead of you. I repent of all that. I turn from it. I ask your forgiveness. And I ask Jesus to come into my heart that the Holy Spirit of God, his spirit, could live inside my life forever. Thank you for what you've done for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you look this way? We're gonna, this is the invitation um, that we're gonna have today. I'm gonna ask you, do a couple of things. I'm going to ask you to take this card that if you um, receive Christ today, in the upper right-hand quarter, it says, I've decided to surrender my life to Christ and begin a personal relationship with him. If you prayed that prayer with me, I trust you've already filled out the front of the card. And so now you just put a check right there. Make sure he gets in the offering plate when it's passed, which we're going to do in just a few moments. And then if you have a prayer request, that's, that's wonderful too. Now, the other thing is... <clears throat> As, um, before we pray, is that this ministry survey, if you know what you're interested in, go ahead and put, put, put everything on here. Put the checks on there. Put it in the offering plate. It's fine. But we would encourage you to take this with you out into the atrium and talk to some people, see what you're interested in. No obligation at all. None. In fact, you may, you may check a half a dozen boxes, but you're not going to do but one thing. But you're interested. You want to know more about it. And so you put this, put that down, and then you can place this on any table 
out there, okay? And so we're going to ask the ushers to come now, and we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to dismiss in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for um, the service that you give us the opportunity to have. We, we have an opportunity to serve you because we're priests. We don't have to go through anyone to pray. We don't have to go anyone, through anyone to read the Bible. But we don't have to have anyone serving for us either and doing our ministry for us. We do that ourselves. And we participate in the glory and the presence of God when we do it. And God, I pray right now that as we also give in your name, because the giving part is all about our stewardship as well. And so, Lord, you blessed us with gifts and talents to go out and make money. And now we're just privileged to give back a portion of that, of what you blessed us with. I pray that you bless the offering, bless the time in just a few moments out in the atrium. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, can you say it with me? I'm a living stone. stone. Among the living stone. And I'm a high priest. Say it well. Okay, you say, well, I'm not so high. Okay. How about priest? I am a priest of God. All right. <clears throat> that's, that's a lot better than before. Thank you, Tim. You did real well. <laughs> Let's look at the video now for a couple of announcements before we dismiss. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.